0: Thank you.
1: I'm Nolan Tuck. Stacy Glover. And you're listening to Cinema Parlor. Stacy, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing, man? Doing good. The holidays are over. We're back to podcasting. And I think we got a good episode coming your guys' way today. We're going to be talking about our uh, five favorite films that we watched in 2018 that are non-2018 movies. Kind of our discoveries of the year. Yeah, good old movies. Yes. That we haven't seen before. That's right. So, hope you guys enjoy that. Uh, first things first, though, Stacy. what are you drinking today?
0: Well, I am drinking Prairie Artisan Ales, Consider Yourself Hugged, Imperial Stout with Peanut Butter Roasted Coffee. Mm. It's 11.9%. It was provided by a friend of ours.
1: Yeah. So, I'm drinking a Fantastic Voyage. This is a Perennial Artisan Ale, a Milk Stout Brewed with Coconut. This is from a St. Louis, Missouri brewing company that I've never tried before. Oh, wow. That is good. How's yours? Oh, great. All right. So the beer tonight was provided to us by our good friend, Kendra Miller. And I'm going to give her a little uh, shout out here. She is a local artist. Uh, you can follow her on Instagram at Quanah Lee. And you can also follow her Etsy shop at Quanah Lee Art. So give her a follow. She's a cool, cool cat. And, uh. Provided us with these nice beers today. Thank you, Kay. All right. So,
0: Stacey, uh, how were your holidays, man? Oh, it was pretty good. Um, you know, just did the family stuff, traveling back and forth, had a lot of good food. Nice. Um, Food's always good. I ate too much. I ate yeah. a lot of rich
1: food. And... Uh, I'm, I'm paying for it. Like rich people food? No, just like, well, I mean, maybe. I mean, I had had a ribeye steak. That's, but... yeah, that's pretty rich. <laughs> but uh, just just food that like just makes you tired and feel like you overate. Isn't that like most food? I guess. <laughs> anyway, I'm basically just saying I ate too much.
0: Yeah. I, my You were hungry. Yeah, I was way well, hungry. This is the time of year to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. nobody can see, you know, under all those sweaters. Good point.
1: Layers. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, my holidays were good, too. Um, we uh, we celebrated New Year's together. We had a fun party. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was good times, you know? Indeed. And now it's back to regular life. Back to regular life, back to work, back to the daily grind. Yeah. So, anyway, I hope you all had a good holiday and happy 2019.
0: Right.
1: So, yeah, what have you been watching or doing, Stacy?
0: Well, I watched uh, the hot winter movie Aquaman today. Nice. Um, I know you watched it I as did. well. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked it, man. I thought it was pretty fun. It's, uh, you know, it's not a perfect movie by any means. Sure. It's got a pretty garbage screenplay, but uh, it's visually fun and exciting. Uh, it's kind of like a live action cartoon. Yeah, You know, I, I really like the design of the film. I think it's really cool that they stuck with, like, the costume designs from the comic books. Because it, it seems like with a lot of, like, hero movies, they it's like they don't have confidence in, like, what it's going to look like on the screen. Mm-hmm. You know, Marvel does a really good job with their costume design because they do make it similar to the comics, but they kind of modernize it. Um, but this was just kind of like a throwback to just cartoony goodness like they just look like action figures man mm-hmm. that's yeah. cool
1: yeah i i like this movie too not obviously two different movies but like this was kind of my valerian from this year like just a visual spectacle- uh-huh. that didn't really have a lot of depth to it but like on a visual level i had a great time yeah and so that was just my kind of thought um i it does have issues so like yeah i i had issues with this so i I thought the dialogue was pretty awful a lot of times. There's a lot of what I call broness in this. It's really weird. And like the color palette I really love. A lot of like the middle section of the Marvel films. A lot of times you get like this kind of gray and red kind of palette. And this is just very bright and colorful, a lot of blues. And I don't know, I really dug that. And just a lot of like I don't know, just a lot of weird stuff. William Defoe rides on a shark. Yeah. And you had like one of the characters. Did you laugh
0: when he came into shot? Oh yeah, I was like, yeah. yes. Yeah, I found myself laughing a lot, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it was like on purpose that like the filmmakers were like, "This is super silly," and I've got a bad script, so like let's lean into it, mm-hmm. or if it's just yeah, silly. Yeah, yeah. I, one thing, I don't know how to explain that. Am for I, sure. No, I think that's that fine. Sense? I
1: what I what I felt on screen was like I thought everybody was just having a good time. So like even though I think there was there was silliness, nobody was taking themselves too seriously, in my opinion.
0: Dude. The winter of Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. He's like in this and Creed 2. Yeah. The comeback of of Lundgren. He's my favorite like actor Mm -hmm. in this movie. I think he gave Yeah, he does a good job. He's really good. Patrick Wilson's pretty good Mm -hmm. too. Um I like Jason Momoa as Aquaman more than I thought I would. Um he's terrible in Justice League. It's not him. Like he's very likable. It's Mm -hmm. just that character wasn't really well-defined in Justice League. It's like they tried to make him kind of like what they thought Thor was. Okay. And I have not seen Justice League, but I get what you're
1: going for. It's a really bad movie. Don't watch I've heard others say the
0: same. I thought it was kind of cool that like Patrick Wilson looks kind of how Aquaman looks in the comics. Uh Yeah. So I thought that was kind of an interesting Mm -hmm. contrast. For sure.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm glad you had a good time with it. I yeah. had a good time with it. Uh, big dumb fun, man. Yeah, that's right. Good popcorn film. Yeah. Uh,
0: any Anything else? Well, let's see. We made it to the Lethal Weapon movies. Um, those kind of decline in quality as you go along. Four is hot trash. Uh, other than that, I've been playing games. I, I'm halfway through Devil May Cry, the original. I haven't played through those games since uh, the PS2 days. So since high school, I... I want to play the new one that's coming out. It looks really dumb and good. And I was like, yeah, I'll just go through these old games. That'll be fun. I haven't mm-hmm. done it in a while. And uh, Red Dead, I'm, I've am i hit, like, milestones, I feel like. Um, okay. I've hit, like, the middle of the game, I would assume. It's the end of Chapter 3. So if you've played the game, you know what I'm talking about. It has a very... You know how in the first game, there's that moment where you go to Mexico... And the game kind of, like, stops and you're just taking in all this grandeur. Yeah. And you have, like, this musical moment yeah, that's Yeah, it wonderful. actually plays,
1: like, a whole song.
0: Like, yeah. Yeah. That happens in this game as well. During the end of chapter three, it, like, everything that leads up to it, it, like, it just keeps raising the tension and, you know, the pacing's really good of the end of that chapter. And it was awesome. So, yep, now I'm, uh, past that. I don't want to say too much because I know you're not there yet, but it, yeah, it's I'm, really good. I'm taking
1: my sweet time with the game. Not yeah. that I, I love the game. I just, yeah, I'm taking my time with that, which I tend to do anyway. But
0: yeah, just trying to get a head start on, you know, games that, uh, I, I tend to play older games when a newer game that's coming out that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm playing Metro 2033 on the PC. Uh, I started Metroid uh, Zero Mission today for Game Boy Advance. Nice. So, yeah, just got my fingers in everything, man. All right.
1: Nothing wrong with that. Um, so, on my end, uh, I've, I've watched a couple things here that I want to talk about real quick. Um, I watched a 2018 movie called Revenge. And this is the debu- debut film from Coralie Fargett. Forget, I don't know how to say her name. I butchered it, I'm sure. Um, I really like this movie. It's a rape-revenge film. Uh, it's on Shudder, if you... Do that streaming service and uh, you should do that streaming service. It's a cool, cool service, it's only like five bucks a month. So that's on there. Mandy's on there, like they have the rights to those two movies, so that's probably enough to at least do it for one month, right? There, right? Yeah, but um, so anyway, Revenge is a cool movie. Um, it's very bloody, a lot of blood. Not, not, I wouldn't call it like a gore fest, but just blood, just like I don't know how to explain, <laughs> just. just They bleed like stuck pigs. Yeah, there's an an over-exaggerated amount of blood. But anyway, so I watched that and I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was a decent film for a first-time filmmaker.
0: I I liked it. I had some issues with, like, the middle of the movie. Uh, The kills in the middle didn't really go as far as I wanted them to. And also, like, her journey from victim to victimizer. It's, you know, like, it's cool, I like the design of the film and stuff, but I don't know. I, like her trip in the cave. I wasn't really sold on that. Fair enough. That's fine. Um, there's also giant lapses in logic in that movie, mm-hmm. which kind of took me out of it. Fair enough. <clears throat> but it's a good movie and you should definitely check it out. Yeah.
1: I, I dug it. I think it some interesting stuff is like, uh, kind of turning the genre on itself. And, um, so yeah. And yeah, a lot of blood. So, yeah. Uh, Next, uh, we watched Bumblebee together. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is the new Transformers uh, spinoff film from Travis Knight. So this is kind of like a prequel type yeah. thing, too. And uh, I thought it was decent. Like, I didn't have any major issues with it. I, th- I thought it was a solid film.
0: Uh, this will be controversial for you, but uh, it, it was my second favorite Transformers oh, film. Okay. It, it's kind of got that feel of like the Iron Giant or, you know, like an 80s family film. And I really liked that. I thought it worked, you know, for the most part. I, I thought the action was kind of lacking. It, Yeah. The action that's there, I didn't think the villains were very interesting. Yeah. And they kind of... It's weird because the stuff on Cybertron, which I think that's the coolest part of the movie, the movie opens with, what, like 10 minutes on Cybertron? Yeah. So showing in the there. war and mm-hmm. them fleeing. Yeah, and they, Pretty cool opening. Yeah. And they look like the cartoons. Mm-hmm. And it... You see that, and it's like, man, why did Michael Bay movies not look like that? Because if you took that action and made the Transformers look like that and not weird, like metal people, I think it would have been better. Hey, that's fair. we we disagree on this, which is fine. You
1: got to disagree sometimes. I yeah. love the Bay Transformers. Well, I love three, four, and five, which is a weird thing for most people. So I enjoy the first one, but um, I did enjoy Bumblebee. It's like kind of in the latter third of like my favorites, but I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a good film. Haley Steinfeld's great in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How long do you think she's gonna be able to play a teenager?
1: <laughs> you would think that time is coming up at some point. It's been like ten years now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And she she still does it well, but yeah. Um, yeah. Also, John Cena is a lot of fun in it. He doesn't have much to do, but he's fun, like in the movie. You want to see that guy become a movie star? <laughs> I love John Cena. He's like, great. Yeah, <laughs> he's a good presence. Yeah, he is. He's 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 a lot of fun. Uh, and then. The last two things I'll mention, and these are all like kind of newer movies, we both like kind of, as we said in past episodes, we try to catch up here so we can give you guys a 2018 favorites list yeah, at some I, point.
0: Yeah, I feel like for me, January and February are all about like trying to catch all the movies we yeah. didn't get to see throughout the year.
1: Right. So we'll probably like, I'm assuming sometime at the end of February, early March, we might give you guys like our favorites 2018. For
0: me, I always like to have that stuff settled by mm. like the Academy Awards. Yeah.
1: And it's, you know, we don't do this for a living, so we just we watch things when we can. We yeah, can get we, to a lot of stuff, and we try to do our best.
0: Yeah, so. and for a lot of the smaller pictures, if they do come to town, we only get them for maybe a week. Sure, Yep. Yeah. So we we have to catch a lot of stuff on VOD or
1: streaming, that sort of thing. Yeah. So the last two I'll mention here is I, I watched uh, Simple Favor. I think it came out around summer or Early fall. Paul Feig? Yeah, Paul Feig film, which I enjoyed. This stars uh, Anna Kendrick, Blake Lively. Uh, This was a lot of fun. It's a very pulpy film. Um, Think of like kind of a Gone Girl type-esque movie. Not as good and in my opinion, but, to um, me it
0: kind of looked trashier. It's a like, trashier film. Like the
1: babysitter or like those nineties yeah. type thrillers. And I, th- I think that's a good comparison. Okay. And I know you haven't watched it, but I think that's, that's a good comparison. And yeah, it, it, it's just, it's just a pulpy, trashy, fun movie. So I really liked it. And then the last movie, which I know you saw as well as I saw the favorite. And this was a movie, uh, It'll be one of my favorites. Lanthimos is one of my favorite directors. The favorite's your favorite? The, the favorite is one of my favorites of the year. I'm sure it'll, you know, I can't see it not being somewhere in my list, but uh, you never know. But um, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, Lanthimos is a guy I just connect with. I've, I've seen all of his movies, including like his Greek movies, and this is up there, like, for me... Um, I love Dogtooth and the Lobster. Those are like probably my two that, like, my favorite movies of his, but this is just like
0: right in that area. So, what do you think of the movie? I like the movie. I think, I, I don't know, it's probably his best film that I have seen. It's not my favorite movie of his that I have seen, but I did like it a lot. Mm-hmm. The three women give wonderful performances. Um, I also really liked. Uh, Oh, why can't I think of the actor's name? He's yeah, in so, Mad Max and right, Nick men Yeah, Nicholas Nick, Holt. Nick Holt's really
1: good. Yeah, he he is my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, his, Olivia his, Coleman, Emma Stone, Rachel Weisz, all great as well. Yeah,
0: so his interactions with uh, Emma Stone, those are my favorite scenes uh, in the movie. I, it's shot really well. I love, you know, the symmetry. We'll probably talk about it more sure. in a month Yeah, we won't or talk about it too much now. So, well,
1: um, yeah, we'll probably talk about it at the end of the year stuff but it's one of
0: those you know if it's available in your market go watch it 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 probably is going to be up for a bunch of stuff so yeah Yeah, it's definitely worthy of a watch cool all right well that does it for me so do you have anything else No, man let's get into all
1: right let's do it we're going to be discussing our uh, top five favorite film discoveries of 2018 these are non 2018 films and things that you know we we've caught up with this year and that we really liked. Yeah. If we name a similar title, do we just want to? Yeah. If we name something, I
0: assume this isn't in
1: any order for you. Yeah. So I just I'm gonna do these alphabetically. I don't know about whatever, however you want to do it. I just figured that's easy for me. Okay. Um. I will say this about my list. This is always a a stupid debate, which doesn't even really matter. But these these are my five like favorites. I saw other movies this year that I think are probably better movies. But these were the five that I just had
0: these were my, my five favorite movies. Well I tell I saw you, like year. that's how I mm-hmm. do things as well. So like there are movies that I watched this year that are older that are better than some of the ones I have listed. But yeah, for me, these are the films that like they hit me or there's something interesting there that's like I'm gonna revisit that. Yeah. And yeah, for me, you know, if it's something that I can go back to and revisit, like that's sure, you know, a wonderful film to yeah me. all right man
1: start us off what's your first pick
0: here all right well for number one i guess i'm gonna go with uh the adventures of buckaroo bonsai across the eighth dimension uh, right. that's from 1984 directed by wd richter i also believe he wrote it as well you have buckaroo bonsai played by peter weller and the main villain is Lord Warfin, played by John Lithgow. Okay. And the love interest, uh, Penny Pretty, is played by Ellen Barkin. It, man, it's such a weird, wonderful film that's so unique and there's nothing else like it. And it has a sense of positivity and imagination that you just don't see too often in films. And I appreciated that. It, it's not a perfect movie by any means, but it's it's just fun. Like, there's a sense of fun. So, you have New Jersey, who is a heart surgeon, along with Buckaroo Bonsai. So, Buckaroo Bonsai So, this is is the character's name? New Jersey? Yeah. That's a good name. Yeah, it is. I've never seen
1: this movie, by the way.
0: Um, Buckaroo Bonsai is a neurosurgeon, heart surgeon, uh, rock band, crime fighter, like, master scientist man. Okay. And so, New Jersey is one of his colleagues... Who's a doctor played by Jeff Goldblum, and Very nice. it's awesome because they're in surgery, and he's like, "You want to join like like his gang or whatever, like being on adventures." And Jeff Goldblum is just dressed as a doctor, and he's like, "Yeah, you know." So when they go to pick him up, he's wearing like this Roy Rogers cowboy outfit, like bright red with a huh. big hat. That's just awesome. Then you have this character that's one of like the the villains, and it makes me laugh. His name is Big Bootay, but there's this running joke. Everybody calls him Big Booty, <laughs> and it just makes me laugh. And it's probably the thing from a movie I've said the most this year. Just Big Booty, Big mm. Bootay. <laughs> like it's just funny, man. John okay. Lithgow's out of his mind. Now is John Lithgow a villain in this? He is, okay. but yeah, the villains, their plan's kind of dumb. So it's <laughs> so they exist in this realm, this dimension that can be accessed through Earth that. It's just out there in space, but they, John Lithgow gets stranded here and he thinks he's a doctor, but he's actually one of these, um, one of these alien guys okay. and he's just trying to get back to like take control of their planet. So they send like good aliens to assist, to assist Buckaroo Bonsai on his mission it's just a weird movie. This this sounds fantastic. Yeah, right? uh, Penny Pretty, the love interest. Mm-hmm. It's his twin. Okay, so he has like a love interest that they allude to in the past, and she looks like her, and it might be her twin sister. So they fall in love. Mm-hmm. Like that's just that's that, that's the love All right. story there. <laughs> But yeah, big Booty is played by Christopher Lloyd. Oh, um, all right. Yeah, you got Clancy Brown in Man, a supporting role. He's people in the rock in this band. Movie, huh? um, yeah, a lot of big people. The music's really fun. It, it's just a good film. Like, I don't think you can watch this movie and be upset. Yeah. The like, there's things that don't work. The ending didn't work for me. It's not very. It's very anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work for me. There's not that much action. You know, there's no build to anything. But the movie's really fun and it's so creative and just ridiculous. There's great lines. The very end of the film, you get this promise of future adventures, and everybody that's in the gang, even if they're dead or whatever, they all come back in oh, this man. beautiful musical thing. And it's like, it looks like a music video from the early days of MTV, the camera's just, you know, pulled back, and showing showing all of them joining up together, you know, walking (laughs) together in sync, and meeting in the middle, and it's just promising these future adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai, and we never got any more adventures, adventures. but man, it's so good, it's a weird,
1: funny movie, yeah, this is a movie I've heard of, and I've, I've I actually I have the Blu-ray because uh, I just haven't got to the it. Shout Select, Shout Select put this out, um, so I will get around to it at some point, and it sounds like a blast, dude. So, I watch it
0: with you; it's wonderful. Yeah,
1: all right, man. Very good pick. Cool. All right, uh, for my first pick, I'm going with Martin Scorsese's 1985 After Hours. So I'm just gonna I'm I'm kinda just gonna read a synopsis from Letterboxd on these movies because it's easy for me. When it's after midnight in New York City, you don't have to look for love, laughter, and trouble. They'll all find you. An ordinary word processor has the worst night of his life after he agrees to visit a girl in Soho, whom he met that evening at a coffee shop. So this movie stars the great Griffin Dunn, it stars Rosanna Arquette, Tommy Chong, uh, John Hurt shows up, Cheech Mar- Marin shows up, Catherine O'Hara shows up, Will Patton. This is a really fun movie. Uh, this is a chaotic movie. There's a lot of Martin Scorsese's films that I haven't seen from that kind of like early '80s to mid '80s. Like the things in. he did between gangster films. Yes, you know New I, York, New York. Yeah, I have a big 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 blind spot for a lot of those so yeah New York New York I haven't seen last temptation last temptation I haven't seen I haven't seen um King comedy right uh, age of innocence so I have a lot to work on on that
0: but so, so tell me about this movie what I I love Griffith Dunn. um he's uh the kind of like the sidekick in American world War yeah, one he's, and he's wonderful he's
1: great in this man so like I like I said you know he's he's this office worker he ends up just having this insane night, basically. I kind of, earlier in the year, in a podcast, I kind of said that good time is a, like this movie in certain ways. So it, it takes place just over one night. He goes to these, this lady's apartment and he kind of falls for this girl. And something happens, I won't give away. Uh huh. And like, he, he, he's just on this like crazy trip the whole night and he's trying, it, it, it's, a, it's a mystery in a way, just a chaotic
0: fever dream in a way. I have a question. So this is a film I haven't seen and I'm really interested in it. What is the tone like? So uh, Good Times, and I've heard this compared or you know Good mm-hmm. Times compared to it. That is a movie that's very serious, but then it goes off the rails and then it kind of reins back into serious. This this movie it has a a silliness
1: all through it. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> is it like, like a, There, there's a. I'll just say that there's a person that gets murdered in this movie. There's a lot of dark in there, but it never
0: takes itself over seriously. Like, are we talking like Neil Young, you know, (laughs) scoring the background, or are we, or you know, Iggy Pop and? Yeah, I mean,
1: I'm gonna be honest. It's been a little bit since I watched this movie. I think there's a pop soundtrack, (laughs) but um, yeah, I I mean, it. It's just it's 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 dark, but I wouldn't say. It has, like, the exact tone of Good Time. Okay. Because, you know, that movie kind of, it has a more, what am I trying to say? That movie, (laughs) it's hypnotic, but it's like, I don't, like, when I watch that movie, I don't like any characters. Right. Like, this movie, I like Griffin Dunn. And Uh I like a lot of people that he comes in contact with. through the film. So I think that's like a big difference in like those films but like they're compared to each other because of the one crazy night type thing Sure. and kind of just the highs and lows that these characters go through and the the different characters they meet throughout the evening. Okay, awesome. I would highly recommend this movie and uh, you should watch it.
0: Very cool, man. Alright, well, for my next one, I'm going to uh, I got Robot Carnival. Oh, so it's wow. okay. 1987 is made by nine different filmmakers. It's uh, I, I believe they just put out a Blu-ray DVD of this movie over the last year or two. It's wonderful. It's an anthology film, all having to do with robots. Each short story is something to do with robots, and they range from super serious and dreary to fantastical and just mesmerizing. You know, in in their you know depth and beauty. And, man, I, I don't know what it was about this movie, but it really hit me. Like, some of these shorts, I just had, like, an emotional experience watching the film. I, I don't know if I'm explaining it well. It plays a lot like Fantasia. There, there are shorts that do have dialogue and, you know, very, um, you know, fine plots, but others are just, you know, visual spectacle. My favorite short from it, Is called Presence. Uh, That one is about a toy maker who is building in like a robot or an automaton. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a very lonely guy, just kind of stuck in... It makes it look um, like society looks kind of like England, you know, 150 years ago. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. he's very lonely. He's got a family, but he just interacts with this robot and just making it. And then the robot gains awareness and it acts like a person. And that freaks him out. So it's kind of the Frankenstein thing going on where he's not willing to take responsibility for his creation and he's so freaked out by it that he tries to destroy it. And later on... Do you care if I spoil some of Of those for you? Okay. I I don't think it will... Which I I would like to watch sometime, but you're not going to... I don't think it will rob the film of the emotional impact. But he destroys it and years later he comes... He comes back to it, to his toy shop, and sees the robot there, and it's like that sense of regret for what he did, and like he wasn't, you know, mature enough, or, you know, didn't have the knowledge to take the responsibility for what he created, and it's wonderful because it flash forwards till he's like an old man, and he's still making these toys, and he's sitting on his deck in the desert, it's like a dystopian type thing. And in the distance, he sees this creation of his approach him, and he just walks off with it, ends his life, like, with this. Powerful stuff. Yeah, it, it is. It was really emotional. I, I'm not doing it any service, but oh, it's so wonderful. And there's, like, fantastic things in this where there is a short inspired by AHA's music video, Take On Me, huh? about um these girls finding love you know, with like a robot at a carnival. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's the the bookends of this. It's like this robot carnival actually like on a like a caravan going through these towns and just destroying them, but they're not meaning to. They're just trying to entertain, but it's so big and unruly that it can't help itself. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, that sounds very. There's nice. a very heavy metalish short where this android, like his love, is taken. And he has to, like, upgrade to beat the bad guys. And it feels like like that Gunship music video. Yeah. You probably have no reference for what I'm talking about, but you should listen to Gunship. They're really good. Yeah. Speaking off topic, real quick. Uh, Melanie
1: showed me them the other day. Uh, well, I guess it was a week ago. And yeah. I'd never heard of them. And they're rad.
0: Yeah. Gunship. Check them out. They're cool band. Yeah. Very, uh like, 80s-inspired yeah. VHS pop stuff. Yeah. It's good and then there's there's this short where it's like it's like hand drawn in a like a weird like stenciled way of this robot just like passing through time it's just weird it's just it, yeah I'm doing a terrible job of explaining it uh there, there's there's whimsical things. Like, this mad scientist has a steam robot that he takes to this town that's celebrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's funny because the title of the short, which I don't have on hand, which, dumb of me, um, <laughs> but uh, the the title of it's like something like the uh, eighth chapter of blah, 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 blah. Okay. And you don't get any filling in between. It's just this mad doctor has this giant robot attack this village during a parade. So these people who built a robot for the parade get in it, and they're like, we're going to fight this guy. And it's very, like, silly anime-ish, like, kind of taking on, like, the Jaeger-type yeah, anime yeah, yeah. stuff, but it's done in, like, Edo style. Okay. Uh, it's really cool. I really enjoyed this film. If you like anime, you should seek it out. I think it's on Amazon, and there is that new Blu-ray of it that's out. I And the funny thing about this movie, our friend Trevor talked about this movie all the time when he was a kid. And it's one I never got to see when I was younger because that seems like know, one he would love. Yeah, it's so hard to catch these things. But we used to, uh, when we were children, on cable, on Sci-Fi Channel, Saturday mornings, they would air anime, and they would do like hardcore movies. So I think Vampire Hunter D, Akira, Lily Cat, things like that you know bubblegum police or whatever like that's the first time i saw those movies was on cable on that and i want to say like they showed quite a bit of stuff too so he probably caught that on like sci-fi channel it just blew his mind i don't know if he'll remember this or not (laughs) but you know i it's one i always wanted to check out and now it's available you know so Yeah. yeah check it out very cool
1: on the topic of this is a little off topic but on the topic of anime uh have I saw the other day that... Um, have you seen A Perfect Blue? Yes. They're coming off a Blu-ray that. Have you soon. seen it? I have.
0: Oh, it's wonderful. That movie
1: rocks. So I just, just thought I'd say... Maybe in the future we'll do A Perfect Blue episode. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool stuff. But anyway, so next on my list here, I've got The Devil's Honey. This is Lucio Fulci from 1986. A young woman abducts a doctor whom she holds responsible... The death of her boyfriend and subjects him to various sexual torture acts. So this movie stars Brett Halsey, Corinne Clary, Blanca Marsilich. I hope I said those names correctly.
0: Corinne Clary. Um if it's who I'm thinking, she's in Story of O, which is a another um sexual adventure film. Yes, she is. And she's She's also a Bond, she's a Bond girl in one of the Roger Moore films. Very good. Uh she's a looker, you know? Yeah. So this movie,
1: so the thing about this movie, I didn't give it like a terribly high rating just as far as like stars or whatever. I was thoroughly entertained with this movie. It's a trashy film. Uh, This is a Fulci film. For anybody who's seen Fulci, he's known for his gore flicks, right? So like he did movies in the, you know, the 70s to 80s, things like The Beyond and Zombie. Uh, He did, you know, City of the Living Dead and uh house by the cemetery he's known for these things yeah later in his career he he's he did a lot of weird stuff this is a weird movie so is this <laughs> yeah. later this is like 80 like a little later not as bad as like his 90s stuff but this is like 86 okay so like towards the end of that run right so is this a skin flick it is but like Fulci style. <laughs> like, this is a Fulci movie through and through. So the opening of this movie, you have a dude who's playing a saxophone, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's this it's it's this great score all throughout the film. And you see it's it's kinda like a, a sex scene, and he's playing the saxophone, and you see a lady, and she's taking the saxophone and trying to rub it against her downstairs. Okay. okay? And she's getting off on the saxophone while he's playing the saxophone. Gotcha. It's that type of movie. But like, it's something I've never seen before and I was like, that's great. (laughs) Huh. So basically, uh, we've got a lady and like it said over there, um, she thinks this guy is responsible for the death of her, I think, husband. She ends up taking captive this man and basically chains him up and Basically, is just torturing him the whole movie and threatening to kill him, but also doing weird sexual stuff to him during the movie as well. This is a strange movie. To what end? Not like it's... I mean, more... We're talking more Skinamax level. This is not like anything hardcore. Nothing... What do you mean by hardcore? Well, no... What are you talking about? <laughs> we got no penetration Please. going on. Oh. Oh. <laughs> But I mean, you you see, there's a lot of nudity involved. There's some there's some weird stuff involved. I guess if you're into kink, you probably like it. Or if you're just into, well, you liked. I it. mean, I loved it. So you. I mean, I'm into some weird shit. I guess I don't. Yeah. Know. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I had a lot of fun with this movie. I don't want to say too much because it's. I think there's a lot of people that haven't seen this. movie. I haven't seen it. I I and want I you would to consider watch
0: myself it. a Fulci fan. Yeah.
1: So like, I I would say like you. It's him because of how how he uses his camera. I'm sorry, I can't even speak right now. How the shots are set up and how they're composed. It it's just a different movie than what you're expected of from like the stuff you've seen prior to this. Okay. So yeah, it's out on Blu-ray right now. Blue Underground. I I, I think it was actually. Ooh, I I don't wanna. I I didn't grab the Blu-ray. Somebody like Sev. It was either Severin. Oh Severin, that makes Severin put it out. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Um, but, but one of those boutique labels, and the the, tra- the transfer is awesome, and it's just, it's a really fun movie. You know, it, it's one of those movies, like, me and Melanie and Kendra watched it together one night. So okay, like, Girls' Night. Yes. And this is a movie, like, I think if you watch it in a group of people, like, you're going to have, like, a ton of fun. Uh-huh. It's, it's, you know,
0: it's a lot of fun. So. Okay. Anyway. Awesome. Devil's Honey. Check it out. My next film is one we watched together. It's night of the Demon. Oh, nice. 1957. Jacques Tonin. You got Dr. John Holden, played by Dana Andrews. The love interest Joanna Harrington, played by Peggy, Cum- Peggy Cummins. That's a weird name to Peggy say. Peggy Cummins. Peggy Cummins. And the wonderful villain, Dr. Julian Carswell, played by Niall McGuinness, Which, I thought this guy was so good in the movie, but I don't recall seeing him in many other films. Yes. This movie is, it's about... Uh, this skeptic Mm. investigating the death of his mentor who was investigating this cult and since they're skeptics they're coming at it from a point of view of the cult is crazy and this one guy julian carswell is kind of using his power of manipulation you know to make these people believe something that's not real but then there's the supernatural element and, you know, it, yeah. it challenges the skeptics. Right. I like this movie a lot. I imagine it's going to be a staple for me from now on for October. It's a movie that uh, it's kind of hard to get, but they just came out with one through, was it Arrow Indicator?
1: Indicator. Put this out on Blu-ray and I will just say, if I was to do a list of like my favorite Blu-rays from last year or 2018 this would be high up there.
0: Yeah, we delved into some of the features yep. and they were really cool. It had a really awesome book. I read the yep. one of the essays in there and it has both versions of the film, yep. which is great. There's the uh, the original, well, I guess... If, the, if technically you want to get like really nerdy, it has
1: four versions of the film. Now, two of them, each two are kind of like their own thing. Because it has two versions of the UK, two versions of the US.
0: Right. So in the US, wasn't
1: it Curse of
0: the Demon? Curse of the Demon, yeah. I and then that's right. the British version, which is universally praised more mm-hmm. is Night of the Demon. Yeah. Uh, the main differences, which you can see it in a wonderful documentary that's on that Blu-ray, is the structure of the film is completely different from the two versions, and I would really like to watch Curse of the Demon, just to have a comparison sure. on how that drama plays out. Yeah. Um, I thought Night of the Demon plays out almost perfect. Yeah. I don't know if it's my favorite Turner film. I really like I Walked with a Zombie, but it is up there. If you've If you've not experienced any of his Val Luton films, I did uh, Cat People and then that. He's a wonderful horror director. Yeah, it's a great movie. I'll just say this.
1: Um, I haven't seen enough of his work, but of the ones I have seen, I've seen Now Night of the Demon, Cat People, I Walked With the Zombie. This is my favorite of his, personally. Yeah. I loved this movie. After we watched it, you talked about us watching some of the features. One of the features we watched was the difference in the cuts. Uh huh. And I thought that was quite an insightful Um, documentary on showing you the difference in kind of what the... The uh, uncut version, I guess, or the ex- you know, the longer version compared with the shorter version, and
0: it's quite helpful. Well, it looks like the American cut was kind of sold to be a double feature for sure. And if you look at his background of filmmaking, while the Val Luton films now are considered, you know, A list material, back then they were double feature. You know, yep. they were very low budget B films, and they were really just taking. These very creative people or um, horror actors, you know, Boris yeah. Karloff was in a lot of them. Uh, Bela Lugosi was in some, and they would take them and put them in these kind of lower budget short films. Yeah. Uh, most of them don't run over, you know, 70, 80 yeah, minutes. Yeah, right, 80 minutes at a ton um, maybe. Yeah. But man, this movie, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, the, the pacing's phenomenal. It is. Uh, Julian Carswell really is one of the better mm-hmm. villains, especially yep. from horror movies from that time. Like, that pre-Hammer. I mean, I guess... By 57, you're already into the hammer cycle, but it's not really defined what it's right. going to be. Yeah. This was kind of a nice cap to that, like, the the very restrained RKO Val Luton yeah. style of horror. I really liked it. The demon, I love the look of him, but I, I'm i very conflicted on should it be in the movie? Right. And so that was
1: like a big thing with with, with this movie in particular, because in the other Tornare fil- films, we don't really see... You don't see
0: anything.
1: And like in this movie, I think it was a big thing. Like them trying to decide, should we show this demon? Should we not? They end up showing the demon. It worked for me. I love the look of the demon, but I'm a guy who loves special effects and I love to see those
0: things. I loved it. You know, I love special effects. Okay. I guess my asking, uh, okay, more like this. So the movie shows you the demon in the first 10 minutes of the film. Do you think the movie would play out better right. if it let you believe that there's some skepticism that the demon might not be real? Yeah, I, I think with me, what I would have liked, and don't get me wrong, the, the opening is... like I, I really like the opening. Oh, yeah, that shot but of like, him walking across yeah. like, with the phone lines? Yeah. It just gives you a sense of scale, and, and I, it looks good. I do
1: understand people's complaint, that people that have, in the past, complained about that showing the demon the perfect scenario for me would have been if the demon just would have been shown
0: at the end. Yeah. Like cut out I, that I opening, agree with right? you. And he didn't want the demon at all. Yeah. He right. wanted it to be ambiguous. Yeah. Which it makes sense because the film is about, you know, a skeptic mm-hmm. trying to prove a cult leader. Wacko. Yeah. It, it does. There is a little hitch in the film in that you do see the demon. You see it can do the first murder. hmm. So, it, all the inciting events, you see that there's a supernatural element to it, and it kind of robs the skepticism, like, that storyline of, you know, the tension it could have had of the, is this real, is it fake? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. what's going on yeah. with this? But I really like the film. I loved, man, um, standout scene for me is when they go to his mother, uh, Carswell's mother's house, mm-hmm. and he's hosting that party, and he's yeah. doing the play for the children, Yeah, yeah. and he's talking to... Um, you know, Joanna Harrington who her father is the original skeptic who died at the beginning right um, and Holden and he's talking to him about you know, the nature of what he's doing and you get that wonderful windstorm yep. and it's cut really well. It's a very sharp scene. I, I really dig that. The, just the imagery and there's so much noir influence in this film. That yep. I I think it really applies to the horror genre really well. That um, the noir look, yep. um, the pacing of it's very noirish as well. You get a lot of scenes of um, Holden and uh, Joanna, you know, getting together and trying to solve this mystery. Yep. yep. So I man I I was really uh, taken back by this great movie.
1: This actually it's it was an interesting year in 2018 for uh, Tornera because not only did this come out. But I think it was perfect timing because um, in one of the big film centers in New York, I wanted to say it was the Lincoln Center, but I might be wrong. They did a Turner Retrospective this year, which is awesome because there's a lot of movies that I haven't seen by him. Uh I'm sure there's a lot of movies other people have seen. Sure, a lot I haven't seen. At least in New York, you could go and see those movies. Um, Film Comet, who's a big magazine publication they did a big write-up on tornara and some of his work i think nick pinkerton wrote that stuff so there was a big it was a big year for him which i love that he's getting like kind of respect that i think he deserves he's a great like filmmaker from what i've seen like he's an innovator he did a lot of things that like people hadn't done before and i think for sure he's a very important person in in the history of film
0: might i ask you this anything visually in this film hit the heights of the sugarcane field scene in I Walk With a Zombie. No, I I mean, that's a great and scene. And that's kind of where I yeah. go back and forth because I think that Night of the Demon is a sharper movie. Mm-hmm. I think the script, like, the script is there. Man, it is a solid film. You know, there are parts of I Walk With a Zombie that kind of lag. Yeah. um, It's a little slower, yeah. but... Man, that sugarcane film no, scene.
1: No, and I, I agree with what you're saying, for sure. And I think that was the biggest difference for me with this movie, is that I have, even in Cat People, I've had, even the shorter films, I feel at times, like, if I'm not fully engaged, I can kind of, like, drift off a little bit at certain areas. This film kept me engaged yeah, the whole way through. Yeah, and that's
0: the thing with uh, those RKO films. The tension, you might get an inciting incident where there's some tension, but you usually don't get anything until, like, you, you go into the third act. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so for my next pick here, I'm going with Rainer Werder Fassbender's 1975 film, Fox and His Friends. Nice. Now, at some point, we are going to be releasing a Fassbender episode. Yeah. This, uh, from Letterboxd, Survival of the Fittest, Fox, a former circus performer, wins the lottery of DM 500,000 and can now have the life and things that he has always wanted. While he wants to climb up the social ladder, he isn't without turmoil and being torn between his old working class roots and the shiny new facade of middle class consciousness. So, this was the first time, obviously, I've seen Fox and his friends. I'm a big Fassbender fan. Mm -hmm. There are a number of his movies I've seen. There are a ton I haven't seen. Uh, This guy made close to 50 movies, and he only lived to like age 38 or 39. Yeah. He was an insane filmmaker. If you haven't heard of him, I would highly, you know, suggest checking him out. Start with things like Ali Fieritz, The Soul. Most
0: this, of his films are German. Correct? Yes,
1: he's a German filmmaker. Yeah. So this movie uh, stars. I'm gonna mess up the name, so I'm sorry. Peter Chattel, Karl Heinz Boim, Adrian Hoven, Christina Mabach, Harry Bauer, Kurt Rabe. Uh, there's a lot of great people in this movie. If you've seen Fassbender's films, he tends to use a lot of the same actors over and over again. Yeah,
0: he has a stable that uh, all those people show up in multiple films of his. Yes,
1: and this this film, if you didn't know, Fassbender was a bisexual man. A lot of people probably think he was more on the gayer side, but he had relations with both sides. This is a gay film, and it's a great film on being gay at that time, and especially in Germany, which... Was not probably an easy thing, but this guy—he's taken advantage of a lot. He he wins the lottery. People start taking advantage of him, and not a good way. It's basically a tragedy. I won't ruin anything, but like a lot of Fast films, they don't always end the best. We'll just put it that way. Not too many optimistic
0: <laughs> um, films. Yes,
1: and this was kind of in Fast mode, like in the seventies when he was making a lot of melodramas. Early in the seventies, he kind of, or in the late sixties, he found out about circ uh, Douglas Sirk. Thank you. And so he, he, he really got into him and started making these melodramas. And this is a great example of that. It's a movie that I don't want to talk, talk about very much because you haven't seen it. A lot of people haven't seen it. It's a very kind of... It's a difficult film because of how... Sad it is, to be honest, but, like, I think it's a great film with great performances. I hope more people get into Fassbender, because he's one of my favorite filmmakers. And, like, I love the way he uses color, and I love the way he frames things, because he he was an immaculate director. And uh, I just uh, hope that he's known more about as the years go by.
0: Just to ask you something about the list... Uh, for methodology yes did you list anything that we covered on an episode that's not been released i did not i same here <laughs> i i thought that we would save it like yeah. so in- yeah
1: in case anyone is interested we do have some uh episodes in the can that we
0: have released
1: that well that we recorded i guess kind of in the summer archives that they will eventually come out so like in for instance we were talking about fast we're gonna be you know we talked about uh, Ali fears the soul, and we've also talked World about on a Wire. World on a Wire, which is an awesome movie, which is another one we both watched for the first time this right. year. Which I considered this list, but then I was like, "We are going to be talking about this movie, it, sure." So I'm going to go. Fox I did the same friends. thing. Not that Fox and his Friends. I'm. I'm not saying like I like them both very much. Right. Equally, they're two
0: different as far as their genres, but.
1: Very much a fast All film. All
0: those movies are just really good. I almost considered putting the marriage of Maria Braun on my list. Very nice. Um I know you talked like you wanted to give heads up to movies yeah. later. That would be one for me. Uh that you know, it's a phenomenal film. He's a great filmmaker. You should definitely check him out.
1: Yes, for sure. And uh, you know, I won't talk any more about it because you should check it out. So yeah. yeah. We'll talk
0: more later on. Yeah, that. man. What do you the, got next, man? Back to the future past. Next, I have Miss Forty Five. Uh, It's 1981 by Abel Ferrara. Uh, It stars Zoe Tomarellis Lund as Thana. She is a mute, uh, like a shop girl, and she is brutally raped twice in the same day, which sets her off on a path of vengeance, kind of like a death wish. It's Lady Death Wish. Okay. So, real quick. I have this
1: on my list. This is our first crossover. Hell yeah! So
0: we're just gonna talk about this now, and I really like this movie. It uh, so I watched Driller Killer a couple years ago, and it kind of has the feel of that. This feels like a natural extension of what Driller Killer was saying. I know you haven't seen that movie yet, but he he films New York in a way that it, it's very like, Scorsese-ish, it when Scorsese was doing the, like, dirty taxi driver mm-hmm. stuff. You know, Ferrar is definitely a New York filmmaker. It has just that gritty grossness. Yeah. And I love that. Like, Miss 45, it's... And I think it's so ahead of its time. If that movie came out now, it would be lauded as a feminist masterpiece yeah. and a wonderful, you know, exclamation mark on the Me Too. Yeah, in fact, um, you know, we've got some, some great film writers have
1: wrote some amazing feminist pieces on this. There's a Australian writer uh, by the name of Alexandra Heller Nichols, I believe is her name. I'm sorry if I messed that up, but she, she wrote like a a small book on Miss 45, which I have very feminist point of view. You know, we talked, I talked earlier in the episode about revenge. This is a better movie, but like the rape revenge, I think this is like
0: the height of this genre. Like
1: the, my favorite film i
0: i agree i'm a little hesitant to only place it in that subgenre and i'm not saying you sure. are because i think what's interesting you have like a batman comic book batman not movie batman level of um you know what's going on with her because the first rape is never avenged she never right. finds that guy yeah. and that guy is abel ferrara yeah you uh, in a in a yeah, it doesn't it have like a
1: really weird like yeah he's got like a
0: it. weird it's yep. like a white stocking that's so pushed mm-hmm. up against his face yeah yeah it's messed or, up maybe it's one of those weird plastic yeah that's might be what it is a yeah weird plastic mask yeah it but yeah it's strange. abel ferrari he's a weird looking dude he starred in driller killer but the second rape it which is also a home invasion right she accidentally kills the guy from what i remember yeah um she does. You know, it starts defending herself. Or it yeah. happens after the act or something yeah. where she just loses it yeah. and she hides him in her bathroom for a day before yeah. she decides to chop him up yeah. and hide him across the city and that kind of sets off her, you know, character journey, but it's not it's like it it's not a revenge film in that she's not specifically seeking vengeance like a, you know, I spit on your grave mm-hmm. or you it, know, it's something. it's about of that it's kind of
1: Men in general.
0: Yeah. And I
1: think that's an interesting point. Yeah,
0: it's kind of like his take on Repulsion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it made me think of Repulsion a lot, which is a wonderful film by Polanski. And, you know, she she has this paranoia. Uh, and, it, and it lasts until about the second act of the film. Yeah. Where she's going to hide these body parts, but then this guy sees her and... You know he he's just trying to help her because she keeps dropping shit. Yep. And he he's only wanting to like help this young woman, yep. but she sees it as like he's gonna find out, he's gonna attack me, he's gonna yep. rape me, so she kills him in cold right. blood. She
1: had such a traumatic experience.
0: Yeah. That it's it's kind of
1: made her in not only paranoid but the belief that every
0: guy is kind of out to get her and what's interesting i also think about this um you know scenario is that you know she's missed 45 the gun that she has is actually from the looter who rapes her right so it's like she's being empowered by this awful thing that happened to her she takes control you know she takes the weapon away from him kills him and she uses that to you know exact you know death wish like vengeance and justice i guess through a morbid point of view right you know across new york city i i love the way this film was shot it's so beautiful yeah like some of his compositions are great i love that scene where it's in central park and the guys just kind of you know get around Mm -hmm. her and you have this feeling of like Oh, no, she's going to get messed up. And then she just starts blowing people away. Yeah. It it does feel (laughs) like a Lady Charles Bronson. Yeah. Because if you've seen the movies or seen the trailers for his movies or if you're aware of them, that, you know, that's what they are. Only they don't have, like, the social commentary, at least, you know, past number one. Right. They don't have the commentary that this film does. Um, And obviously it being a man versus a woman makes it completely different. Sure. Uh, Also, man, like the last scene of the film, the party, that is a tour de force of filmmaking.
1: That whole set piece, it's like a Halloween party. That whole set piece is just breathtaking. Like, I I love that scene so much. And like, man, Zoe Lund, like her performance is just like, And I don't think we
0: mentioned this. She's a mute. Yes, she doesn't talk. So that's another thing about this. She cannot cry out for help. Yep. Like, she has to help herself. Yeah. She cannot get anyone else to do anything for her yeah. because they can't hear her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting that, yeah. you know... And it, it's very intentional.
1: <laughs> we'll just put it that way. Yes. It, yeah. It, 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 it was a great uh, directorial choice. And she plays it perfectly. Like, it. I, I love her in that movie. And, like, I haven't seen enough of Ferrars' films. But, yeah. like, I can't imagine their one being... Better than this one.
0: I don't know. Um, I I hear great things about Kingston, New York. I also haven't seen much of his work, but it it is better than Driller Killer. I do wish you would watch Driller Killer. Yeah, and I will it, watch that it, sometime. It's another phenomenal piece about you know New York and yeah. you know the stresses yeah. of and like human interaction.
1: Yes, and like you said, like the way he shoots New York is just great. And it's something, you know, we don't see anymore now on film because New York has changed so much over the years. It's clean. Right. And safe. Yes. And, and, and just the way that he shoots the streets and shoots, you know, the different, um, uh, just, just different areas there. And it's wonderful. It's great.
0: Yeah. I I love this movie, man. Yeah. So what do you got next? All right. So this will be my last pick.
1: Um, what I've got for my last movie will be Gremlins 2. Oh. The new batch. I had seen um, the first Gremlins, um, and I've seen that when I was a kid, and I remember it vaguely well, um, but, like, this this movie I had never seen, <laughs> which I was very, like, I guess surprised that I hadn't seen it, but, like, there, were, we watched it around Halloween time, and, like... I was, I was pretty sure I hadn't seen it. And once we started watching I was 100% sure I'd never seen it. Which is kind of strange, I know. But, like, this movie, chaos, man. Yeah. Chaos reigns. I, I I love the feeling when I get really excited about something. And, like, that happened for me with this movie. Basically, once the movie starts, it's non-stop until the end. I called it pure chaos bliss. I don't know how else to explain it. It's it's just insanity the whole so way through. It's, it's like Looney Tunes, Two basically. hours of Looney Tunes. And... Anyone who knows me knows I'm into that sort of thing. I grew up on weird, chaotic cartoons like Dastardly and Muttley. Yeah,
0: Hanna-Barbera <laughs> yeah. and the Warner Brothers. Yeah, sure.
1: This is something I've kept with me my whole life. And I just, I love chaos. Chaos. <laughs> And especially in movie form. And so, man, I I don't even know how to explain this movie all the way. I just know that I loved it very much. Yeah, it's like Um, a Chuck Jones short. For anyone that's interested, real quick, here they grow again. Young sweethearts Billy and Kate move to the Big Apple, land jobs in a high-tech office park, and soon reunite with the friendly and lovable Gizmo. But a series of accidents creates a whole new generation of gremlins. The situation worsens when the devilish green creatures invade a top-secret laboratory and develop genetically altered powers, making them even harder to destroy. We get mutated gremlins in this. I I remember one of my favorite gremlins is just... The one with like the goofy eyes.
0: Oh, uh, he, <laughs> um, He's like one of the OG ones. That there's just
1: some pops up. like insane scenes. Isn't there like a scene where like a gremlin is singing a song? If I remember right, yeah. Like,
0: they have a uh, they have a musical number yeah. that's kind of styled after those MGM musicals yeah. from the 40s. That's right. So I mean, from <clears throat> I've seen a decent amount of Joe Dante's films.
1: For me, this is this is the top of the line. I can't tell you all how excited I was about this movie. And I can't tell you how excited I am to watch it again.
0: So to give a little background on this, so Gremlins 1 was super successful. Mm -hmm. I I think it was like the number two or number three movie that year. It made over $100 million. Yep. Which, it's a ginormous blockbuster back then. They waited, what, seven, eight years before they made a sequel. And the studio always tried to get him to come back to do it. For this movie, they just said... Do whatever you want. There are no limitations. Mm-hmm. Here's your budget. Like it's massive, yeah. a massive budgeted film, and he made a live action cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like basically, it is insane. It is the stuff that they do and the the things that they reference. It it's all over the place. It's so funny. Yeah, the creatures I, are great. Rick Baker did yes. the designs on the Gremlins for this film. Uh, Chris Wallace did them in the first yeah. film. Just the creatures are all over the place. You got a spider gremlin. You got one that's like got fruits yeah. on its face. Yep. Uh All the gender swapping yes. stuff going on. You got a great scene where they're like at a bar. They're just drinking. Yeah. Like it's, it's the smart gremlin. Yep. <laughs> and there's this wonderful thing in the middle of the movie. It's almost like it's like a weird version of an intermission in the Blu ray or DVD, if you watch it, I think it's the theatrical version where Hulk Hogan goes up into the projector booth because yep. the gremlins stopped the movie <laughs> and he's yelling at them gremlins and such. But I think in the VHS it's different and there's like a specific thing to the VHS where it starts like splicing in like Roy Rogers shorts and just <laughs> weird stuff. Nice. But it's just weird that they did that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's a weird movie. It is. It's it's strange like the whole mo- not the whole movie, but pretty close the whole movie just takes place in this like laboratory
0: weird Trump Tower place. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of Donald Trump references it's, and it's really funny. It's quite interesting to watch like in this day and age. Yeah, it was Julian Glover. Yeah, uh, he's the the entrepreneur guy. And yes. he has a book that John Glover, John Glover. That's who it is. Um, John Glover has this, like this book and they show it at the beginning of the movie and they're, cause they're giving tours of this tower of his and the book is the exact same cover as art of the deal.
1: Yeah. Yep. That's great stuff. Yeah.
0: It just, it has a lot of good references and stuff like that in the film. Yeah. Um, uh, the yeah. TV host looks like, uh, you know, uncle Munster, yep. you know, from the monsters. That's right. Or grandpa, grandpa, grandpa monster. monster. Yep. Yeah. Uh,
1: also, I mean, we've got Christopher Lee makes an appearance. Yeah, in this. he's
0: phenomenal. You get the. uh... You remember in Terminator Two the scene where T one thousand goes to the security guard and changes into him and spikes his eye. Yes. That dude and his twin brother are in the movie <laughs> and they're good. dancing with Gizmo. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: I honestly don't have anything bad to say about this movie. I I rated it very high. Like I, man. This is one of the best things I've ever seen. Like this was made I felt like it was made for me. That's awesome. And those are my favorite experiences when I when I feel that because like it doesn't happen that often. And when it does, it's it's
0: it's pure joy. It's a much more ambitious film than the original.
1: Yeah, and I like the original. Oh, like, I I love the it's original. It's a good movie. For me personally, this is just like this was so up my alley. Like I liked this better than the first one, but that's just because I think it just plays to my um sensibilities? It to my sensibilities yeah. for sure.
0: Oh, that's awesome, dude. I'm glad am glad you love it. It's a yeah, film I've watched many times and I enjoy it. Very good, very good. Alright, man. Well, is this your last pick? Yeah, my last pick, which I think you're gonna think highly of this film as well, is the Devils. Yes. Uh 1971 Ken Russell. Uh you have Father Grandier played by Oliver Reed, uh, Sister Jeanne Jeannie, I don't know. Vanessa Redgrave, though. Man, this film is a masterpiece. Yeah. It blew me away. We watched this real early in the year. We watched it in a group. Mm-hmm. And, man, I was just mesmerized. So, it's this town that it's kind of separated from. So, I think it like was it a new king takes over in France or yeah. something of that nature. And they're getting all these uh, lordships and stuff tied in. But he had promised that he'd leave this one town alone. But the uh, the lord of the town died. So it kind of falls in the hands of Father Grandier, who's played by Oliver Reed. Yep. So the church is kind of running the town. Father Grandier, he's kind of a man of the world. So he's, you know, whoring around, yep. drinking. Uh, yes. He's yep. not a bad person. Right. He just, he's very liberal in, in all the ladies... Very much love him. Well, it's Oliver Reed in the '70s. Why wouldn't you? Right. So, man, his performance is phenomenal. He yep. is so good in this. Vanessa Redgrave is a um, kind of a nun on the lower levels. Yep. She has scoliosis that's so bad that it's made her a hunchback, and she just fantasizes about being with Father Grandier, and uh, he's having an affair with, I believe. Um, was it one of the like magistrate's daughters or something? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, mm-hmm. So you get this feud going on, and they convince uh, the king of France basically that the devil has taken over Father Grandier, and he's like leading a cult on the nuns, and basically turned this whole city into Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, just you know, vile place. And man, it's such a good film. It's so clever. And the way it's framed and filmed, it's beautiful. You have these wonderful scenes where, you know, Sister Jean, she has this wonderful daydream about this crucifixion scene yeah. with Father Granger. And it it, it kind of metamorphoses into this weird sex fantasy. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. And everything is like framed so symmetrical. And everything that's being said, it's such a criticism and so good. Of just, the church is a structure. Yeah. Because, you know, I definitely a Catholic church, but many other churches now are like this too. Where it's it's very political and it's very stru- mm-hmm. structured. Yeah. And it, it it's very much away from, like, maybe the original intent. Yeah. And I just think it's so interesting. It's abiding criticism. This movie is still banned in yeah. so many countries. This is a movie that, I mean... It's still like hard
1: to see for Americans. And it's still censored. It is. And so what's the best version available? You got that one, right? The, the, yes, the best version so we watched the I actually had to import this. This is a BFI, and it's just DVD still. This this was the best cut that I have known that is available. And it still cuts it I don't know, somewhere three and five minutes maybe, somewhere in that area. Yeah. Other than the original cut. This is, as far as I know, this was the closest cut that's so the, the, made available. The
0: crucifix orgy. That's yeah. cut. Yes.
1: Yeah, so and the, that will never probably be put in right. ever again. And so, even in the, I mean, even in the cut we have, we see a lot of this so-called
0: perversions.
1: Yes, and but from my understanding, there there was more to be shown. They just
0: so cut out a few. Basically, minutes. what happens is um, the whole city and like the diocese and um, everything is setting up to. Put the blame on everything on Father Grandier of, like, why this town's run amok, and, like, he is possessed, and, like, he's possessing nuns, and, you know, it's all led by this, you know, Vanessa Redgrave, because she's obsessed with him, and she can't have him, so, like, she buys into this of, like, selling him as, you know, this evil thing, because she can't have him, so he should just die, yeah and... Oh, it's so good. It's a great movie. It's the best film about witch hunts, I believe. Yeah. And there are many good ones. I mean, Witchfinder General is a phenomenal film. But this movie is, for me, man, this movie is perfect.
1: Yeah, this was a five-star movie for me. The only reason I didn't list it on my list, I had a hunch that you were going to talk about it. So I was like, I'm just going to... I'm going to let... Because there were other movies I wanted to talk like, about Like, this is the myself. best movie I've seen this year. It's, it's an amazing movie. And, like, it's another one I just talked about. Like, Gremlins, this this movie, like, got me excited. I, I love feeling that, like I said earlier. It's it's just a movie that's, like, fresh. And even though it was made, like, what was it? Was it the late 70s? Yes. Yeah. No, early, early, 70, early 70s. Early 70s. For a movie to be made then and, and to see it now and still feel as fresh as it did, yeah. Not only with just like its topics, but also the filmmaking, that doesn't happen that often.
0: It, it felt like like a restrained Jodorowsky, mm-hmm. sure. Like in the stylings of the film, I would say the faults of Jodorowsky is, um, you know, he doesn't have very much narrative, um, right? Sense, yeah. To his films, but like this film, it's like structured perfectly. Yeah. Uh, there's so many great landmark scenes. You get a wonderful performance from Oliver Reed and Vanessa Redgrave and like all these scenes of perversion that, you know, it, it predates, you know, The Exorcist and like all these other like taboo films. Yeah. And the, it's interesting because this film is still taboo. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't I was interested to hear. Here's like kind of a random thought. Did, did you feel like any, like this is a completely different movie in a sense. But you feel like some Wicker Man vibes, like, towards the end. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I I know it's like, you know, comparing, like, say, you know, two different communities, right? So this is more of a community of the Catholic Church, whereas the Wicker Man, we have more of a cult-type thing. Is it that different? It's not that different, I guess, when you think about it. I think that's an interesting
0: look between those two movies. Yeah, no, I I think it's fantastic, and it it is... um... You know, it does criticize religion, but it's not. It, it's like the the industry of religion. Right. It's not. It's a criticism, what, but it's not a damning. Right. Like Father Grand, Grandier, like he does mean well, but right. he he's too much of the earth mm-hmm. to you know, and yeah. people can't stomach that. Right. Yeah. Be, I I think it has a lot to say about high members
1: of churches. Right. How we how we kind of look to them as these higher figures of like perfection what this movie says is well
0: maybe they're more human than you think right well what's interesting i think is that you know they bring the king of france to this town and they keep selling him like they keep trying to sell him on it like we need to take over this guy's lordship and Mm -hmm. stuff and the king is just like ah, this isn't real and you're blowing smoke up my ass yeah and he gets there and he sees what's happening and they, the nuns, they put on this wonderful show yep. of like just sexual grotesqueness yep. and just all these bizarre things and he loves it. Yep. He is entertained by it yep. and he's just like, you know what? If you are going to, like, <laughs> if you'll shut up, sure, do whatever you want. Kill the guy. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's interesting. It, it's such a good film. If you haven't seen this film, go seek it out. It's yeah. hard to find, but man, it's worth so, it. So,
1: here's the thing which kind of bums me out. I guess everyone knows by now that Filmstruck is not around anymore, but <laughs> they were. What's cool is that towards the end of November, before they shut down, they were actually streaming this on their site. So, I hope some of you were able to <laughs> to catch it before. Um, otherwise, it's still a little harder to, to hunt down. There are copies out there. Of various know, quality, various quality. Yes, I would very highly recommend people seeking out this BFI. Sadly, it's a Region Two, so you have to have a Region or Region B. You have to have a Region free uh, DVD player. But um, if you have one, seek it out. All right, man. Good pick, man. I think that this was a good year of, um you know,
0: discovering old films. Yeah, we
1: we discovered some great stuff. Before we go, I'm gonna name I don't, uh, some like honorable mentions sure and I'm not going to name directors or anything you all if you want to seek them out you can do that yourselves I'm just going to name some movies that I saw this last year that I really really enjoyed but we had to narrow it down to five so here's some mentions messiah of evil blanche rebels of a neon god death spa pickpocket the devils lady snowblood branded to kill who's afraid of virginia wolf the misfits world on a wire all that jazz, blue collar, dragon in, Ensiang, eight men out, Vengeance, Night of the Demon, The Great Silence. They live by night and in a lonely place. Which some of those we have talked about on episode. That's
0: right. Many of those we we've talked about yes. or watched because of talking about an episode. Indeed. Uh, for me, uh, this was the first you know time I watched uh, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, uh, early nice. Miyazaki film, Blood and Black Lace, early Mario Bava. I went through the Lethal Weapon sequels, which, yeah, you know. Ups and downs. Yeah, ups and downs. Uh, I got on a sword and sandal kick. I watched El Cid, Charlton Heston. Nice. I watched Ivanhoe, uh, Elizabeth Taylor is in that one. Uh, you know, it's just been a good year for old films for me.
1: Yeah, and that's that's always great because we like to do, like, I know our show, we talk mostly about older films. But we really like to have a, a good kind of mix every year of like newer and older stuff. I think it's very important to watch older films, um, not only for context, but for historical purposes, for also understanding um, filmmakers and art. I think it's a great thing to watch older ones.
0: Well, you know, I re-watch a lot of movies, mm-hmm. so it's nice to squeeze in some new things from yeah. time to time. Um, you know, I'm one of those people that's going to watch, you know, certain movies every single year.
1: Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Yeah. We'll give you some stuff maybe to seek out if you haven't. Is there anything else you would like to say?
0: Well, I'm going to say next time, uh, you know, since it is the winter months, we are going to have a nice double feature. We are going to be watching The Thing from Another World and The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. So. All right. That yeah. sounds like a fun episode. Get cozy. Yeah. So we'll
1: talk to you guys here hopefully in a couple weeks. In the meantime, you can follow us at Letterboxd. I am under Nolan Tuck or Chuck Madden Jr. Esclover84. You can also follow us on Twitter at Cinema Parlor. You can find us, of course, on the Podcast Center on iTunes at Cinema Parlor. I always forget to mention this, but you can find us on SoundCloud at Cinema Parlor. That's those right. For that do SoundCloud. Anywhere
0: else you want to mention? Now well, <laughs> I'm not too big on the social media, so okay. I'll let you guys handle that. All right. Uh, so yeah, give us some reviews and
1: ratings, whether good nor bad. All right. Well, uh, this has been fun, man, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace out. All right. Goodbye.